You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Special Reports on Legal Talk Network. This is Lawrence Coletti, and I'm the host for today's show, which is being recorded at ABA's National Summit on Innovation in Legal Services at Stanford Law School in Stanford, California. We're here to cover this event and its highlights for you, our listeners. And I have a special treat, actually, right now, because joining me now, or returning to the air, is Miss Monica Bay from our show, Law Technology Now. Welcome back. Well, thank you. It's a joy to be back. Yes, it's always a pleasure to have Monica on the air with us. And we also have two special guests uh, joining us in Monica is going to uh, help me interview them, but I'm going to let her take the lead. Uh, I have to, I'm sorry, Mark, I have to introduce uh, the judge first. We always do that as a courtesy <laughs> on Legal Talk Network. We have returning here, uh, Judge Charles Harrington. Uh, he's joining us uh, from a prior interview, but he wanted to come in, and there's a special relationship here to bomb his nephew's podcast with us. So welcome to the air. Thank you. Nice to be here and nice to bomb my nephew's podcast. <laughs> of course, I'll be, we... the, I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, we have Mark Britton, the founder and CEO of Avo, joins us uh, to talk with his uncle, to talk with Monica. I think this is going to be a fun interview. So thank you, guys. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Well, Lawrence. thank you very much. And we come from a family of lawyers all of us here. Uh, my uncle was a lawyer, and and I'm a lawyer, and my grandfather was a lawyer. So lots of lawyers in the Bay family uh, tree. Mark and Charles, I'm going to call you Chuck. You yes, prefer that's Chuck? Mm-hmm. So you're both lawyers. We are. Um, tell us a little bit about your relationships together and how you have been able to, particularly I would think for Mark, you, how was he a mentor for you? And Tell us some stories. He wasn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> next question. Uh, no, I, listen, I uh, Chuck and I have an older brother, and is he, he has also a, younger, a lawyer? No, he's a doctor. You know, we actually yeah. come out of Western Montana. Yeah. And in the era that we grew up in, it was be a doctor or a lawyer. Or a so, CPA. Or a CPA. My brother's so, a CPA. Exactly. So we have all doctors, lawyers, and CPAs. But a and your lot mom's of, a lawyer. Yes. And I'll, several of our cousins are lawyers. A few of our cousins are doctors. Can you tell he's a judge? He just interrupts me whenever <laughs> he wants. But we have a very close family, and especially when you look at my Uncle Chuck and my brother, we spend a lot of time together because we all went to Gonzaga University at different times. And my brother but, Tim. Yeah, well, the four of us mm-hmm. went uh, to Gonzaga. And now, we're did, not you, that... did you grow up close in terms of literally in the same yes. area? Yes. And we're not that far apart in age. I think we're, what, 14 years apart? Right. Mm-hmm. And his brother is 10 years older than me and only seven years older than my brother Joe. So we're more like yeah. four brothers than yeah, exactly. uncles. So and... did you fight about law? Did you argue about law? Or what was the yeah, relationship? We usually fought about basketball. <laughs> right. <laughs> basketball or who was uh, going to get that last hamburger. But yeah. I would say that that, no, I, you know, for me, really, the mentorship question is really fair because it's real. I, I think as a young person, having role models, those people that set certain patterns so that you can follow those beacons, those patterns, it's essential. And I don't think you realize how fundamental those beacons are until you get older. And I have to tell, to tell you, you need to take Chuck. You know, Chuck was somebody who was always there. He was somebody that you could always pick up the phone and talk to. I remember being a very, as a young kid, Chucky, as we used to call him, you know, he was just this big... He's (laughs) blushing. He was just this very big figure in our family that was reasonable, ethical, funny, and just great to be around. But then 
he took all of that to law school, and then he worked for a big firm in Spokane, Washington, then went down to Tucson, Tucson became a judge. I mean, for me to get into the legal profession, I was following very big shoes, very meaningful shoes, but I was able to look at him from a very young age and say, this is somebody who's making good decisions, and I can pattern after those good decisions. And a lot of who I am today goes to my entire family. But certainly on the legal side, Chuck was just a fantastic mentor and example setter. Except I have to tell you this, and this is true. Since Mark was young, whenever he had a major fork in the road in his life, he would call me and ask for my advice. And he'd say, Chuck, I need to go either this way, I need to either go to the left or to the right. And he always did exactly the opposite of what I told him. <laughs> Every single time. But That's but, why he's so successful. But did it make you feel good that he wanted your advice and uh, wanted your... You can't believe it. Yeah. It, it made me feel so good that he would call me. And he still calls me. He doesn't ask for my advice anymore, but he still calls me. And Do I you ever call him and sure. ask for his advice? I call him a lot, yeah. I, I text him or I go hang out with him or he comes hang out with me and... Yeah, he's he was, a, he was, was a wonderful up, human being. He was just up for my eight-year-old. You needed to bring a special friend to school for the day. And he chose Uncle Chuck. So Uncle Chuck came oh, up, flew lovely. up, and uh, he was able to take him to school for the day. And we still have, I mean, the picture is, if you could see the mile-wide grin on my son's face. And his granduncle's face. Yeah, it's we a great a way to put the, put the generations together. So from your point of view, Mark, can you give us an example of a situation where Chuck really was helpful to you in making oh, a decision? Absolutely. So, um, yeah, my... he'd ask me which way to go. <laughs> exactly. I'd tell him and he'd go the opposite way. <laughs> I, I, can, I, I can remember a couple of these, but I'll, I'll tell you this. He's not being entirely, uh, he's putting a bit of a joke in there because my first year of law school, I changed a bunch of variables. So I left uh, Spokane, which is a smaller town. I left a smaller school in Gonzaga. I went to Washington, D.C. I went to Georgetown. I broke up with my girlfriend. I mean, I, like, I left it all behind, right? Mm -hmm. And my first year of law school, for cultural reasons, for social reasons, for work or educational reasons, it was a really hard first year. And I can remember calling Chuck, and he has been together with my Aunt Marcy for how many years now? 40, almost 41. Oh, congratulations. So, uh, Thank you. Another Gonzaga alum. Mm -hmm. And being able to get on the phone with them and talk through where I was in life and the problems that I was experiencing from somebody who had gone through this, and Chuck will very sheepishly not tell you, or maybe, maybe tell you, but maybe not that he graduated very high in his class. But someone, I knew how successful that he was at Gonzaga Law. I knew that he had the acumen, but also the, the discipline to really do well in law school. So, so much of what I was going through, both academic and socially, to be able to turn to him as somebody who had done it and, and cared about me, it meant everything. And I'll, I'll never forget, we had many calls during that first year uh, talking about uh, uh, the way to succeed in law school. From your point of view, Chuck, was there ever a point where you were not sure what advice to give him? Oh, I've never been short on advice. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he's a judge. <laughs> 
No, you know, by the time Mark came to me with a, a, a fork in the road issue, he had really thought things through. And, and again, I got to tell you, I was so thrilled with the fact that he would call me and, and seek my advice. But he would think things through really carefully. And he would get to the point, and I'd talk to him, I'd say, well, Mark, have you thought about this? Yes, I have. And da 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 And so it got to the point where he was usually down to two really tremendous choices. He was never faced with a bad choice and a good choice. He had gotten himself into a position where he had two tremendous choices, and I would pick one and he would pick the other. And I'll, so, I'll give you an example. So when I was thinking of going in-house for uh, Expedia, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, Chuck worked as a litigator for a number of years before becoming a judge in, in big firms. And I had just made partner at Preston Gates, which is now K&L Gates. Mm-hmm. And, you know, part of the question was, what do I do? I mean, here I am. I've the brass ring in a lot of ways is to become a partner in a big firm. And I'll tell you what I told him. Yeah. He said, I, or I can go to Expedia, be vice president, general counsel, and I'm going to get a bunch of stock options. I go, Mark, you're nuts. Don't go to Expedia. Stay with <laughs> Preston Gates. You, you're golden there. That was one of the examples. And so it sounded I went to like Expedia. that Extevia thing turned out kind of okay. <laughs> it, it was a little small then, but it grew into a little larger. Uh, so that would be a for, perfect example of a fork in the road. But I appreciated bouncing the ideas off of him. Well, that, that actually raises my next question. And what advice would you give? Because sometimes in my, I can remember, I went to law school. My father was a United Airlines pilot and he was a man of little words, mostly because my mother never shuts up. Bless her heart. I love her to death. (laughs) But I was at a turn point thing as well. And I will never forget because I was really torn up about, you know, do I go to journalism? uh, Do I stay in journalism? Do I go get my law degree? And he looked at me and he said, and this was after I had been in school a long time and it was like, I think he wondered if I would ever get a paying job. (laughs) And he looked at me and said, if you go for a year and you don't like it, you'll have a year's worth of really pragmatic stuff. And I thought, oh, and this was a week before the LSAT, the last LSAT was, was going to be done. And if he hadn't said that, if he if he had said, are you kidding, you've been in school forever, I would have said, yeah, you're right. But his words were so powerful. And the fact that he basically was saying, yeah, this is something you could do. And remember, I'm a woman, and it, this was in the 70s. So it was not everybody did this. And I thought, what the heck, took the LSAT, got it back, knew I could get in, and the rest is history. And I think sometimes families don't understand how powerful something that said, if he had just blown me off and said, oh, yeah, right, you know, you want to spend another four years in school. So what advice would both of you give to listeners who might have children or might be in a position to, to mentor them? What advice would you give them on how to handle those situations? Well, this may not be the answer you're looking for, but I will tell you as it relates to Chuck and as you bring up families, Mm One place where Chuck has been both a a direct mentor and an indirect mentor is his relationship with his family. He has been a phenomenal husband. I mean, the relationship that Marcy and Chuck have is one that my wife and I model to this day. There is a partnership. There is mutual respect. And so there's, you know, there are those things where maybe something's said, but maybe something's acted rather than said. And I would just say this for anybody that has a family, I think that, uh, 
Chuck and his parents and a, a big part of our family is making sure that you make time for the family unit, making sure that you're home for dinner, making sure that you're home on the weekends, making sure that your kids know that they can come to you and that you care about them deeply. And Chuck has modeled that from day one that I can remember, um, both with his own children, with me, et cetera. And I think that it's, it's helped me be a success by just really investing in my family and having that as my base. Well, and and you're, you, you're, he's really modeling that well in his family, too. Yeah. And before I get to you, were you also were there other folks in the family, your dad or your mom or folks who also you turned to for advice? Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, we have a big family yeah. and a huge extended family. It's a big family. Irish yeah. family yeah. on the one side and English on the other. Mm-hmm. So we look like the uh, we look like Ireland, English in the north. Exactly. <laughs> uh, um, no, you know, my it's interesting. My father, uh, so my mother's the lawyer, but my father is and always was an exceptional businessman. And growing up, he had three businesses. He had a uh, a stockyards, a trucking business, and an order buying business. That uh, I worked with him for many summers, and so did I. Yeah, I love. I just loved working with him and he modeling. Was so smart. Well, uh, obviously, you learned lessons. That's particularly for you, since you've now been running companies. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. so much of me being a successful businessman today comes from modeling after my father. He was but a, back to you. Well, what, and his what, what dad. What advice do you have for men or women who are at a point where they're making decisions in their life that, about the law? You know, I, I will tell you the advice that I got and I don't like, and that was, don't worry, whatever you do, it'll work out. That is not yeah. necessarily yeah. true. But it seems like if you really think problems through and you talk to them with other people and you have two or three things that you are focusing on, Generally, those two or three things you're focusing on are things that you're drawn to, generally. There might be one that you are including just because there's a whole bunch of money in it, and you got to factor that in. But I, like, I think when you come down to two or three things that you have really thought through, one is going to draw you more than the other, and follow that. Does it boil down to trust your gut? Yeah, it does. Yeah. It does, and I think we've all experienced that, all I, of us. I certainly did, too. Yeah. So final words here, uh, one last shot at if you were advising a brand-new grad, what advice would you give them right now? Why don't you start, Charles? A, a new law grad? New law grad. Well, um, I would say it comes down to hard work. It comes down to preparation. It comes down to loving what you do. It comes down to taking care of the people that you serve, your clients, loving them. But it also, there's one other really important thing, and that's to keep everything in balance. Your family, your faith, your work, your clients, you got to keep it in balance because it is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And how about you? I'm not sure that I could say it much better than that. I would say that if we were to blend a couple of themes... Um, I, I do think that, for one, figuring out who your support systems are and relying on those support systems, but ultimately you are the one that make the decisions. Good point. And I definitely notice this with a lot of younger people. I'm sure I experienced this myself, but there's a crisis of confidence too often feeling like there's some sort of recipe for it all. And there isn't. And I'll just, I, whenever I meet with younger lawyers, younger business people, younger entrepreneurs, I just tell them that you create your destiny. And the more, like everybody's going to try to put you in a box. And the more that you build your own box, that's how you're going to succeed. And I, I think the best thing in my experience has been 
when somebody doesn't just blow you off and they just look at you and say, yes, you can do this. It's powerful. Well, I think that's a wonderful way to end the program. So I turn it over to you, Lawrence. <laughs> yes, I uh, Rarely uh, in my time interviewing do I not ask a single question, but I figured uh, my mentor told me that uh, because I have a gift for being verbose, that I need to know when to listen, and so I decided to listen on this interview. Well, thank you. So I want to thank you guys for sharing those uh, those wonderful family anecdotes, and uh, I think a good piece of advice for all of us. Me Thanks, too. Lawrence. And Thanks, thank you, Lawrence. Monica. Yeah, thank, thank you. you both. All right, well, this has been another edition of Special Reports. I'm Lawrence Coletti. Until next time, thank you for listening. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thank you.